welcome along to episode 19 of season 2 of LOI Weekly with myself, Johnny Ward, beside me, Daniel McDonald, in studio with Paul Corey, and we have a very, very busy show of reaction to the European draws which took place today. Appropriately, the sun has come out. We're going to have a warm week in Ireland which gets us thinking about trips to some of these European destinations for the League of Ireland clubs. We're on Podcast Republic, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, at LOI Weekly on Twitter. Thanks to everyone who've uh, left reviews and had some interactions uh, after last week's pod. We're in association with uh, independent.ie and Air Sport. And um, here we are. Dan, how are you? I'm good, John. How are you? Not too bad. Paul Corey in the house. He's here. Yeah. yeah. How are you, Paul? I'm not too bad, Johnny. I haven't heard from you in a while. I no. I was worried it might have upset you. No, 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 no. We, we, There's we, a flat tire outside. He's a bit... Yeah. What we like... You know, wouldn't we like the Corries to have shabby material, to be fair? <laughs> <laughs> there'll, be a, there'll be a full inquest later on. What have you been getting up to since we were last talking to you? <sighs> what have I been doing? Um, busy in work. Working with Enda McNulty at McNulty Performance. I've obviously been doing a bit with Air Sport and the TV and... Um, keeping a low profile really um, mm. kind of mentoring one or two people along the way that are playing within the league and offering bits and pieces of advice of maybe my own experiences and guiding them into maybe younger what, players kind of yeah younger players particularly maybe people who've come out of UCD or in the current UCD setup that I've managed to meet along the way and uh, listen I wasn't always given as honest open advice in my own career so if I can help someone out along the way I'm more than happy to do that and it's nice to, uh, I guess, develop relationships with people and, and see them progress. It's interesting you say that. Do you have some regrets about your own career path, where it led you? I think everybody has regrets, and people would, in hindsight, look back and say, maybe I should have done that differently, or I should have worked a little harder here and there, but they're easy things to say. At, at that moment in time, football can be very difficult, and when I wasn't in teams and when I was away from my family and friends, times are difficult, and, you know, it... it becomes your life it's nearly obsessive to an extent and it's it's just difficult in those moments so I think any footballer will look back and say yes maybe I should have done something better here or maybe a decision here wasn't wasn't the best thing to do but um it is what it is as yeah. they've been saying in Love Island <laughs> God um, you're heading for that as part of your next career move no um, I suppose do, do you find when you're speaking to the players now as much as like there's, there's a broader debate about you know what we should what we should do in terms of uh, football in Ireland and uh, should people stay here for longer and blah blah blah. But when you're talking to young lads, do you still see their opinions the same as as what you felt? You know what I mean? Like do you do you understand their emotions? Because I assume there was a part of you. Now you didn't rush to get away. Actually, you took your time a small bit. But do you, do you think that that younger lads now are paying attention to what people are saying about not rushing away earlier, or is that still the mindset that exists that people are ultimately that's the bottom line? I think I I just think it varies from individual to individual. I think what I have found is that there are some people who are completely determined and hungry to get to the UK, whereas there's other who will probably take their time. And people who are maybe involved in scholarship schemes and mm. in university and in good courses who will maybe say okay i'm going to finish my degree and then i'm going to look to get away um if you look at the statistics and if you look at the people who have gone from the league and me included the imprint that we made or the current crop are over there in 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 the uk hasn't been massive i don't think and we're probably looking at more people who have gone and returned home than we have people who have gone over maybe likes of sean mcguire and have done really well Mm. Um, and I think people are maybe weighing that up and saying maybe I'm better off playing at an, in a Dundalk or Shamrock Rovers and enjoying my football and dominating games and dominating the ball and enjoying it that bit, much, bit more surrounded by family and friends and say, you know, that's not a bad alternative to have. Mm. Um, 
people who spring to mind are probably the likes of Robbie Benson. Yeah. You know, good career be or good degree behind him, will have a good career after football. Where's the need for him to dog it out in Scotland or the lower leagues of the UK when he's playing an attractive style of football at Dundalk, playing in European games? There's probably not that motive to go away. Mm. Um and I'm probably finding that a bit more, whereas you'll still find I, I still think the likes of maybe a Trevor Clark who has the potential to go and, and maybe wants to go and have the hunger to go to that next level. I just think it depends on the individual. Yeah. And whoever I'm speaking to, it has to be whatever you're happy with. Yeah. It has to be the Because you're obviously doing some coaching at Belvedere as well, and I'm, I'm not going to name names and put expectation on players, but I think you probably might be working with one or two very highly sought after teenagers as well you know lads that are 13 14 that are getting to that stage but i mean for them do you get exposed to some of the pressures that's coming their way now as well because there's you know the kennedy cup is on last week they're now getting to the age where suddenly people are going to circle around them a small bit more yeah there's probably more pressure in that sense and particularly with the league of ireland structures coming in play you have 13 14 year olds who are being not tapped up, but being approached to join the League of Ireland setups, um, and there's probably a bit more pressure there because they've got a decision to make: where do they stay in schoolboy football, or do they join a more professional outfit at 14 years of age, mm. where you're potentially training three, four times a week? And that's the right move. We need to get kids playing more often in better facilities under the tutorage of better coaches. And there's probably that decision that is is probably a bit more strenuous. Um, my advice, you know, you're talking about two completely different kettles of fish there. You're talking about a 13, 14 year old. My advice would always be stay, do your leave insert, even if that means skip fourth year, yeah. uh, do fifth year, finish school by 17, go to the UK then if that's what you want to do. That would be my advice there. Um, but I just see kids and there's agents flocking around them at 13, 14 years of age. And I just think, what are we doing? Mm. You know, you're supplying people with free boots and you're making people think that they've made it. And some kids I will see swanning around in League of Ireland tracksuits thinking that they've made it because they're playing for a League of Ireland 15, 17s team. That part of it I'm, I'm not too comfortable mm. with. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, we are at an interesting time of the year now with the European yeah. fixtures. It probably is, for me, it's probably the best time of the year. Um, uh, you know, sort of covering the league and being around the league. Sadly, some some years is more short-lived than others, but it is there is a sort of a... There's a bit of a buzz and anticipation around draw time, you know, and uh, we're going to have Rory Higgins on Skype. Today. We've got Rory Higgins on Skype and coming the, from the Dundalk perspective. They were the first out with a hat today. Yeah, uh, then reaction from the other uh, Europa League teams, but it is it, it for them from the Europa League draws rather, but um, it is a great time, and you you do um get to see other places that maybe you wouldn't normally go to, like say Cork City might end up um, going to Luxembourg or something. Or Cardiff. Or Cardiff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, even even on sort of Twitter today, there's a huge kind of buzz around the league as to how the draws will work out in that. Yeah, well, I think it's the, the this is the one, this is the period of year where you realise, I mean, it shouldn't necessarily need to be asserted, but like Irish football, league football in Ireland is part of like a 55 league structure, you know, and there's a lot of, if you if you typed a couple of the team's names into like search last night, you could see like a lot of the Polish fans, they wanted to get them dock, you know, and they're all, they're all doing their research and everyone today is like basically looking up Wikipedia profiles of players on the other teams and uh, there's a bit of a buzz. This is the, this is what I love about football. I love the sort of the universality of it. I love the fact that, you know, 
there's an international dimension that can take you to places you would never go otherwise, you know, and you're suddenly now looking up teams in Latvia and looking up, like even, you know, you look at the team in Latvia, they've got lads from Brazil and how have they ended up there and, and you, you almost see, like every year we seem to play like, uh, you know, the, between, the, the, between the four League of Ireland clubs, we tend, generally tend to end up playing a team from the Baltic Nations and you just look at the profile of their squads and their dress rooms, like how have all these people, all, all these jobbing pros have ended up around the world and, and I guess in some ways we're trying to get better within that uh, and it's a barometer to see where you're where you're at and for me like the performances of the Irish clubs in Europe are much more representative of the health of Irish football than how the national team does because the national team is one team you know that you know you, you, it's out of your hands to a degree we've always outsourced elements of it whereas the, the club results don't really lie you know it doesn't necessarily um, it can be deceptive to a degree if you've if you've overblown budgets and stuff and I get that we've had a crash we had a boom and a bust and we, we had good results 10-12 years ago we had a drop off but generally it's a good handle to figure out where your game is at relative to other teams and like Dundalk are trying to set standards here Shamrock Rovers trying to set standards here I would maybe have some slight reservations about the, the depth and quality still of the league this year. And you could find in the next couple of weeks that that is exposed completely. And they play against a slightly better team. And all of a sudden you're... Or, may, or maybe not. And we hope that it's not. We hope it's option A and that they're actually... They, they can compete really well against the teams that they play against. But to me, it's a real time of year to find out where you're at. Every year, I'm big, like the European results should be the subject of like a review. People sit down and go, okay, well, what does this year mean? What did what was achieved this year? What does this year tell us about uh, where we're at? And it, there should be part of a plan, particularly with all the stuff that's going on at the moment now. But the European results is the best gauge to some some degree. And I know we have other problems because the clubs that aren't getting into Europe at all are being completely uh, forgotten as well. But I don't know, like Paul, I don't know your view in this time of year. You probably didn't have a huge amount of European playing experience yourself. You didn't play at all, did you? No, no I was thinking no, yeah. that. Yeah, you just you just the various clubs you're at, it was the wrong place, wrong time stuff. But did what I mean did you always feel envious then at this time of year where you see lads you're playing against every week maybe testing themselves at, at a European level? Yeah, listen, like you said, I think it's it's a good um, measuring tool to see where we are at as a league. Uh, and also, of course, being envious from a position of not being playing there, it's a, a style of football that probably would have suited me yeah. when I was playing. It's, it's, it's almost like a, a tactical game of chess. I'd be interested, like you said there, to see particularly how Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk get on because I would be of the same viewpoint as yourself, Dan, that I'm not sure that they're being tested greatly week in week out and it would be interesting to see when they're asked to push themselves to that extra level how much have they got in the tank or how much are the players able to step up to that extra level and can we get through a round or two um, you know Shamrock Rovers in particular uh, and they, they play brand Shamrock Rovers play brand from Norway Just, people listening are probably aware but Shamrock Rovers have brand from Norway so that's how they play so St. Patrick's got a North Shopping Nor- of Sweden, of Sweden. Um, and then City will play Nieder Korn of Luxembourg or Cardiff Metropolitan University and obviously Dundalk got um, Riga, Riga, uh, Riga a new, a new mm. kind of entity yeah in that and Cork has progressed of course is the team who knocked out Rangers a couple mm. of years back but um, I just yeah, think Shamrock Rovers yeah. brand is interesting the Rovers have done okay in Europe under Bradley in fairness they so. have and that was I was, I was going to just touch on there is that Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk their style of play will probably suit Europe because 
if you're going to play well in Europe and you're going to get a result, you're going to have to be able to retain the ball for at least some period of time. And the way that they're set up and that they're playing week in, week out, they're making the pitch big, they're making it expansive, and they have the likes of whether that's a Jack Byrne or a Patrick McElhenney who can maybe take the sting out of a game when you're under the cosh for 10, 15 minutes. And I think that's really key to success there. The two of them as well haven't conceded many goals, so defensively, they're looking okay. The one thing that you'd maybe say with Shamrock Rovers is that they're lacking that front man to, to maybe score goals um, within a European context. Yeah. Um, but it would be those two teams that I would be looking at. How much can they progress on? And if you're talking about getting to uh, a Europa League group stage, I know you touched on it last week, the Champions League route for Dundalk, can they get through yeah. those like, rounds and can they then fall back into the yeah. Dundalk League? have to start to believe a bit um, with the draw they've gotten like they will be favourites and um, you know with with the way that that kind of pathway is lined out now Dan like this um, it was really weird uh, the discrepancy in what they could have gotten in terms of the Polish champions or Linfield with all due respect yeah. to Linfield yeah well listen why don't we get why don't we hear from the Dundalk camp now let's talk to Rory Higgins about the uh, we, we spoke to him a bit earlier on about the European draw and here's what he had to say about Dundalk against Regan Rory how are you getting on? How are you getting on, lads? Not too bad. Where, what part of the world are all the Dundalk people at the moment? The majority are in Spain. I'm in sunny Derry. Right. Um, getting my bags packed here to go to Spain myself tomorrow. So, uh, looking forward to that. Rory, this time, uh, this time last year, I guess, and and in your role as opposition scout, you would have been probably. I don't know, looking up trips to, to Latvia, which is, I assume, what Stephen O'Donnell might be doing now. We have the European draw today. We have uh, Riga FC in opposition for Dundalk. I, you, you, it's a different side of it now because you're directly, I suppose, on the coaching staff working with the team for preparation. But in terms of what Stephen has to do now, it must, you know, you know what he has to do, the process you have to go through with scouting, which must be something that's pretty interesting compared to the, maybe the, the week-to-week with familiar opponents that you know well. Yeah, well, obviously, since the draw has been made, we've all been in, in, in direct contact. And um, in, in Stephen's position, it, it, it'll be exciting for him. And it's it's um, it's probably the part that I enjoy the most, going to different countries and seeing different cultures and, and different ways of playing. And um, no better man than Stevie to go and, and, and suss out the opposition for us. And I think he could be going as early as Friday out to Riga um, to have a look at them. So... Um, the homework's already started, and, and, and as I said, no better man, no better football brain than, than Stevie O'Donnell to go over there and have a look for us. Yeah, I mean, we're only speaking now a couple of hours after the draw, so it's, it's, it's very early to be looking for a judgment. I guess there was the view that maybe the Polish champions was the one to avoid um, just because it's a bit of a quirk that they ended up unseated because they shocked uh, Legia Warsaw and they didn't really have a European pedigree. But, I mean, from your early research as such, I mean, what 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 can you learn or what have you read or what have you gleaned about Riga? Well, we've... <clears throat> any Champions League draw, um, th- there's going to be no easy games, obviously. That goes without saying. Um, but they... They're a good side. Um, there's, there's a, they're littered with international players. They've got nine Latvians international players, a Georgian international, a Serbian international, and an Albanian international, and, and they've a Japanese player and a Brazilian player in their squad. So, um, they're a good side. The, the, the two Riga clubs formed, formed as one back in 2014, I think. I played against the old Skonto Riga many years ago with Derry in 2009. Um, so we'll be playing at that stadium. Um, I remember it very well. But uh, they have a good crop of players, um, and and they've won their league last year. So 
Um, we'll definitely not be taking them lightly and, and we'll, as I said, we'll do a lot of homework and, and make sure that we're well prepared. I think one of your biggest problems here might be, uh, Rory, that there will be a general expectation that you're going to go through, which may not be the case with the other three League of Ireland clubs. So, unfortunately, I guess in terms of expectation, you're probably a victim of your own success in that regard in that you will be favourites and the expectation, rightly or wrong, is that you probably should progress. Well, again, um, as you say, you can be victims of your own success, but um, I know this is easy to say, but we go into every game expecting to win. Um, this will be no different. Uh, if you go into these games with any negativity at all, you get rolled over. But as I said before, at Ch- Champions League level, there is no easy opponents. Um, and and to be honest, if, I, if, if I'm being brutally honest, they'll they'll not be too disappointed that they've drawn us as well. I don't think so. Um, again, expectation in this country will be that we should go through, which is fair enough. And and but that's a that's a challenge that we have to rise to and hopefully get ourselves in the next round. What's also interesting is that we'll say if I was looking at their fixtures there, they are in they're fairly flat out the next week. They're not going to be lacking for fitness whatsoever going into this game. No, they've. I think they play Wednesday. Uh, they play Friday, Wednesday, Sunday. I think I'm. I'm nearly sure on saying that. So um, we'll get the, at least two of them games. Um, Stephen will probably get the one at least, and and maybe I don't know, maybe a couple other members of staff will go to one as well. So um, we'll see, but. We'll do our homework over the next uh, nine, ten days. And again, like we always do, no matter what the opposition is, if it's a Friday night in, in Ireland or a, or a midweek game in Europe, we, we always try and break down the opposition and analyse them as best we can and um, give the players as much information as possible. And that's the key. The players, particularly when we're going into games where um, we don't know the opposition too well, it's, it's, it's vitally important that they get every ounce of information that we can give them so that they're... There's no grey areas going. Um, no grey areas going into the game. Is 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 last year another country in the respect of the Larnaca game, which was obviously so disappointing? Say that again, sorry. Is, is last year sort of another country in the sense that you know you move on from that? Did you learn from last year? Because I guess it was pretty disappointing the way it worked out in the end in Larnaca. I, of course, of course, it was disappointing. Like the manner of the defeat was disappointing, but you learn. Um, you learn from defeat more than from from winning, and, and it's something that we have to take into this year's campaign. Sort of right the wrongs, try and right the wrongs from last year, and um, it goes without saying that it was a very disappointing result. But uh, we can't dwell on that, and we're in good form at the minute, really good form at the minute. We've we've taken 34 from 36 points domestically, and and. We plan to continue that, and um, again, we'll, we'll go into this game expecting to win and, and, and hopefully get ourselves tactically right and, and prepared properly. Yeah, I mean, Rory, just finally, I mean, we hope to maybe get you in in the coming weeks maybe and have a more detailed chat, but you did mention the form you've clicked into there. Um, why do you think, you know, why have things come together in the last sort of six to eight weeks since that Sligo game? I mean, is it just a natural evolution of a season developing or you know, players gelling, or, or what would you put it down to that suddenly you've you've hit this vein of form? Um, a, the, sort of, I, I would say it culminated. In a, there was a lot of things. There was obviously key players coming back from injury uh, at a time confidence wasn't great. We we obviously got that last minute penalty against Bohemians and and, and kicked on from there. But um. The players and the staff were were very very disappointed after the the, the two league defeats, the, the Pats and Sligo, and we sort of 
made a promise to ourselves, the whole group, everybody, we made a promise to ourselves that, that losing a game that easily shouldn't should never happen at this football club. So um, I suppose the players deserve enormous credit. The, the sort of professionalism and the, the grit and the determination they've shown to um, keep picking up one after one has been vital. And in this league, if you can put a run of wins together, it obviously it can put you in a really good position. And, and we've, we've got ourselves in a good position at the... At, the mid-season break, but but that's only sort of that's only a foundation. We need to kick on from here, and obviously we're talking here about European matches coming up. But um, we've got business to take care of after the break with three massive games in a week with Shamrock Rovers and Tala, Waterford and Oriel Park, and then Derry and the Brandywell. So there are nine huge points available to us. So we will obviously be plugging away, doing our work, our work on Riga. But in the, we can't take our eye off the ball domestically. Or, I come back to haunt us. Just finally, I was reading uh, James Rogers had an article with Vinnie Perth online and Vinnie was alluding to the pressure that you're under, I guess, because of the club ownership structure and that. Is there extra pressure on you this season with the Americans being involved that obviously there's so much financial clout um, up for grabs as well by, by progressing in Europe? Um, I don't know if pressure is the right word. I mean, you've got to embrace playing in Europe and, and um, these are, this is a stage you want to be on as as, as coach, manager, player, tip man, whatever, this is the stage you want to be on. And, and if, you, if, you, if you think about the pressure of it too much, then it'll, it'll eat you up. So you just got to embrace these things and, and, and meet the challenge head on and try and um, sort of make these nice to remember. And whenever we're in 10, 15 years' time, you want to look back in these big European nights with fondness and, and try and sort of not... A, not have as many of the Larnica nights. We we want more success and we want the progress and 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 the ambition of the club's owners um, is obviously they want to do well in Europe. So we're not naive in the fact that they want to get back to the, the group stages of European football. So it's up to us now to, to sort of step up to the mark. And I'm not saying we need to get back to the group stages straight away, but um, I'm sure they'll want to see progression in Europe. I've no doubt. Thanks a million, Rory, and safe flight off to Spain as well. Thanks, lads. That was obviously Rory Higgins. Um, Paul, I, I was very disappointed in Dundalk last season. Um, there was probably a reasonable expectation they'd beat Larnaca, and the game was pretty much over at halftime in Cyprus in, in, in very in very um, hot conditions. Maybe there was just the expectation that's attached to what they've done since sort of 2015-2016. Yeah, most certainly. And any time European draw is made, we're always looking at Dundalk as being our best hope or our best chance because of what they've done in previous campaigns. They're heating up nicely at the moment. Um, Duffy's playing well, Huben's playing well. They're probably coming into a nice vein of form and once again we're going to look towards them. I, I just think that every single season it's just a fresh start. I don't think we can take too much based on what happened in Larnaca last year and say well that's going to um, be the case this season. Um, <laughs> listen, you would love to see them do well. Uh, I always think that first leg is so so important. Yeah, home first. Yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes you, you can you can debate it to death, but you look at some of the better. As much as they beat Bate at home, well in Tala three 0 that actually the second leg in Iceland they got through that way. Legia they pushed it close. They're a team that actually Rosenberg they went out, but they scored. They're a team that has an away goal in them. So actually, is there a stifling pressure on them to win that home tie? Or is it a case that you'd fancy them over there if you know if there's parity? Because the thing about the Dundalk is they they were seeded. 
they have got a draw that that has shown the benefit of being seeded. It's not been disrespectful at all, uh, but there was a couple of very difficult ones. We mentioned it there with Rory Higgins about Piast, the, the Polish team. They were taken out of the option of playing Cluj um, and uh, the Romanian champions and French Faris from Hungary. Like Piast got bate. I mean, that's an it's a, it's a hell of a tie for that for that stage of competition. Uh, so getting the champions of Latvia is a result. This is all the hard work of getting over five years to get that seeding. So when you get it, you sort of can't, you don't screw it up, you know? And this is a team that uh, they only played in Europe once before last year. They, they went close against CSK, so if CV, they lost some penalties. So, like, they're, they're, they're no mugs. Very mentioned the profile of the players. I looked it up. They're quite an old, experienced team. They're, like they're, Their age profile, yeah. Um and so, so like the two leg environment, you know, these lads. I always find if you play against teams that win leagues, like in, in, like you're playing teams from around Europe that are all winning their domestic league. So generally, they've all got a habit of winning matches and how to grind results out. You don't you don't see too many trashings at this level at all, really. You know, it's generally pretty tight because these teams know how to organise themselves because they have that strength. Now, this crew have changed manager, I think, four times since they won the league. So they're clearly a bit of a volatile club. Four where, times since yeah, they won the league. Four times, I think, yeah. I saw Stephen Doyle saying something earlier, maybe four times since February or something, or the fourth manager since wow. they changed February. So they've had a, a pretty volatile recent history, which would suggest, though, that there's like pressure on them. You know, that uh, that there's there's clearly, you know, money being pumped into them because they're a new club who suddenly moved up. So they'll... They, and, and Rory's damn right. They would have been looking at the potential options of Bate, uh, uh, Maribor. Like, the Dock would have been the team and TNS. TNS was probably the best draw in that. The Dock was the second best. So they'll be buzzing with this. Away first in Ireland, go over there, get results, bring it back. You can imagine what their mindset to the tie would be. So, um, but it is still an opportunity. And the Dock could have, you know, Murray back, McGrath back, Benson back, midfield quality. Last year in Larnica, I think they were probably a bit naive in how they approached the game and how they played. They were uh, they were probably too cavalier. And uh, we spoke to Brian Gartland about this recently, touched on it broad, you know, and I think there's a, probably an awareness of the group. that I, I agree with Paul, you can't link it too much back to last year, but I think the fact that all that management team were through that experience and the senior players were through that experience. Well, Brian Gartland alluded to the fact that they pressed high on the podcast here, that they pressed in, in very, very hot conditions. They pressed really, really um, aggressively. And I think there might have been an element of regret there that they didn't maybe approach a bit more pragmatic. Yeah, and also they were playing a team that probably keeps the ball better than them, yeah. which is a role reversal because they don't generally keep the ball better than teams that they play. Now, it's hard. I mean, I don't have a handle on the, the Riga team. There's like Latvian internationals. There's players from around Europe. You, you're going to throw out stereotypes about them being technically good. It may not necessarily be the case. We've played Latvian teams before and they can be bruising as well too. So we'll, we need to, they'll need to do their homework and find well, out. It'll, be, it'll be interesting for Stephen O'Donnell because they have two games, I think Friday and Wednesday, and their game on Friday is against like the third best team in the league. So they will see them at full tilt playing at home. And Dundalk have the resources to send Stephen O'Donnell straight over on Friday and to look at them. Whereas we'll, we'll have Harry Kenny later on where he's kind of not 100% sure they'll send somebody over to see their opposition. So Dundalk, it's just it's an absolute no But I think that he's 100% sure who would go. I think that was the debate with Harry Kenny. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, so they'll be like, and Stephen O'Donnell, this is his first challenge in his role now to see a team in Europe and to kind of compare, uh, I suppose, put together some notes for uh, Rory Higgins and obviously Vinnie Perth. Yeah, no better man. You know, what an understanding, what a football brain. Um, and it's, 
like Rory alluded to there, it's giving the players as much information as you can on the opposition. I think when you're talking about pressing a team, you know, if you're talking about a European team who are going to play up from the back, um, and even if it's in hot conditions, it doesn't really matter whether you sit off or you press, it's how you press. Because if a team's going to play up from the back, they're taking risks in their own half and in and around their own box. So if you press well together, maybe Dundalk just didn't press well enough together as a unit last year. If you press well and you win the ball high up the pitch, well then, <laughs> surely you've got, you know, you've less distance to goal, you've more chance of being uh, a threat in their half and, and creating chances. So maybe they just didn't approach it in the right way last mm. year or they just didn't play well. Look at Ireland against uh, Gibraltar recently. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't all go down to how you approach the game. It's sometimes just how you perform on the night and how your key players step up. Um, and how you work together collectively. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that whether it's Stevie O'Donnell, Rory Higgins, I'm sure their preparation will be meticulous and they'll be looking to learn from last year and not make the same mistakes. Maybe, we don't know what they are, but what they might have made last season. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine that there'll be no sort of arrogance or cockiness going into this, that they will treat them with the utmost, res utmost respect um, and they will do everything they can to get a result. And hopefully on the night, you know, you're talking about a home game, you would just be hoping that they just don't concede in that home game. Yeah. Um, and that gives you an unbelievable chance yeah. when you go away from that home. That is the key. That is the key to the, it. We, we're going to hear from the Cork City camp now. Um, Cork City really didn't perform at all in Europe last season, albeit in the face of good opposition. They're going to be at home to, to progress in Edelkorn of Luxembourg or Cardiff Metropolitan University in the opening leg of their first round tie. Now, they don't have John Caulfield at the helm. It's obviously John Cotter as the interim boss at uh, this season, and we got a WhatsApp audio from John uh, earlier on about what uh, Cork are expecting this uh, year, and thanks very much to John for sending this in. Yes, look, it's it's nice to know who we potentially will be playing. Obviously, we don't know who we exactly will be playing for another couple of weeks as, as these sides have to play on next Thursday, the 27th of June, and obviously the following Thursday, which is the 4th of July. And um, look, look Jock have been worse travel-wise. It's the travel on either side doesn't look to be too too bad, to be honest. And obviously, the Luxembourg crowd have a good history in Europe over the last few years, and um, something to be aware of. And the the Welsh side have, I think, this is their first year in Europe. So, um, but look, it's not ideal, not knowing really who we who we will be playing until the week before. But from everyone's perspective, really, we've got the on the club side. You have they have to organise travel and hotels, and look from their side of it, but from our side and the football side, it's not ideal not knowing as because we have to analyse who we're playing against. But look, at least these sides are playing over the next few weeks and we'll get people to watch them over those in that period of time and start our analysing from there. And Look, this city and this club has had great European nights over the years and I've been lucky enough to be a part of them over the last five, six years and um, they create a great interest and a great buzz around the city like no other game, to be fair. And... Um, this game, I'm sure, will be no different, and we'll have, we'll get a pack turn as cross, and hopefully put in a good performance, and and um, be able to look back on this fixture over the in future years with a, um, fond memories as well. Uh, I, it's it, okay. It's, you kind of have preconceptions here. It's a Luxembourg team, obviously, as you said, they beat Rangers, but uh, Luxembourg. Uh, Luxembourg are, no, sorry, uh, Luxembourg league has got yeah. their teams have got really strong in recent years. That's but, a, a uh, Doodle Lange last year, yeah. but all the way, like the, the the see, this is the thing. This is the whole point. Uh, every year we measure ourselves and actually what you do find is that leagues teams from leagues that actually Irish teams were beating 10 years ago have improved considerably 
like UCD beat the team from Luxembourg it was Doodleange itself wasn't yeah. it a couple of years back but like some of these smaller leagues are strengthening as we go along so you can't have preconceptions if you do they're, they're doomed you I know? suppose your preconceptions that they're going to beat the Welsh side yeah, yeah. but just for Cork um, Paul this is, a, this is a very interesting chance for them to set the record straight because I thought last season I mean, they they played Legia. You're talking about pressing. Legia were passing the ball across their box in the first game. Cork could have actually had something from that game. Um, they were very disappointed in the other leg. Very disappointed against Rosenberg. But this is more realistic anyway, at the very least. It's realistic, but what is realistic once they get past that round, if they do? You know, there's no sign of um, any great real form within that Cork side. So you're talking about Cork lapping up as much cash as they can within the, the first few rounds of Europe. Um, and hopefully using that to maybe invest for next season because they've been really disappointing. I don't think anybody can, can stray away from that and looking at their league form, there's no evidence there that they're going to get a result in Europe. That's the thing that, Dan, they're not, since John Coffey left, results might have improved, performances maybe a little bit. Like, they really haven't been playing well. Yeah, and to be blunt, like, for the Europa League clubs, like, it's it's four rounds to get through to get to the group stages. It's realistically not going to happen for an Irish club going through that route. Mm. It's just not. And um, I know Cork have had to deal with some speculation about their financial picture. I mean, there was I think there was a bogey WhatsApp message going around the place, um, which which was misleading. But at the same time, I don't think that should detract from that. It is known that they faced some challenges. You know that they were running a pretty substantial budget. They've had to cut back. Um, but like they didn't cut back to maybe to the degree that the previous manager suggested that they did. There seems to be some maybe, uh, uh, I suppose, disagreements around that. So strip all that away. The reality is that that even if it's just getting through one round, and even it's just if if it's just another two hundred grand for getting through, that's big money for them if they can do it. And that's really what it's about. Like that's for them. You know, the, their ambitions in Europe, yeah, you want to get through and, and for the players to play at the best level you can and get some experiences, but really it's about money mm. to a degree. You know, it's about getting through more than two one, degree one tie. I mean, that's mm. because you know they've obviously got interest in Sean McLaughlin. Like, you know, they, they have to balance the books somehow if they're going to fall well short of their targets this year. And Europe is the easiest way for any of the Irish clubs to make money. It's the you know, it's 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 insane the degree to which there's uh pressure around it, or not pressure around it, that the opportunity presented by two games, you know, hundred and eighty minutes can completely change your budgetary picture, you know, for for a period of time coming down the tracks. And uh you know, once things remain as they are here, that would be the way it is. So Cork are fortunate that they have the opportunity still to do that. They have the opportunity to play for it because next year the way things are going, they mightn't have it. So they, they sort of need to... Probably won't. Yeah, like unless they can do something in the Cup. So I'd prefer if they were a home second. They're the type of team, actually, that I could... You know, they, they had a good run a couple of years back. It hasn't all been bad in Europe for Cork, you know. Um, like they knocked out Hacken, the Swedish team. They played very well in Ghent. Um, and in Hacken, the tidy went through. Uh, I know they struggled past Linfield that time as well. But, you know, it's, it's away first and then home second. Uh, this time it's home first, and do you trust them at the moment to really go out? If it is the Luxembourg team, you know, to go out and really, you know, put that dominant display in, you know, that that sort of sets them up to go away. I'm I'm not so sure, I but think in fairness you hope John it rallies Potter them. Well. Yeah, he's, he's spoken about the Turner's Cross kind of positivity of getting that the crowd behind them there, and um, really a special night down there that could give them some. You chance hope so, but I think like it's not a glamour tie. 
like there's been a couple of times I mean they, they had a couple of wins and they played Dundalk and you're thinking there's going to be a big crowd it was one of the smallest crowds at Cork Dundalk in recent years in Turner's Cross so I think people there's people haven't had that lift there I think the early bounce has gone so you hope that this is the type of occasion that suddenly everyone's like European night do some promotion do whatever it might be to get everyone going again mm. because it is a big plus for them I just prefer if they were um at home second. What honest. did you make of um, the Pats kind of getting into Europe through the route they did? Um, disappointing for Watford, who are actually, th- I think Watford are third last in the table, the last I looked, and Pats now get in by default. Yeah, listen, I had heard about it towards the tail end of last season that, that Watford wouldn't be able to play in Europe due to whatever rule had been, um, I guess, restricting them. But from a, a player's point of view or a manager's point of view it's terribly disappointing for Waterford and, and particularly for the people of Waterford who would have been welcoming that so much uh, it's an absolute major bonus for Pats even just talking in regards to um, bringing finances in and maybe creating that bit of a buzz around St. Pats because similarly to Cork Pats need that bit of a buzz um, and Pats have done well in, in years gone by in Europe and they probably just need something to to stir them along again because that's a good point because if you Dan was looting to attendances there Pats attendances have fallen off again this season since the start yeah and listen I know when they were successful under Lean they were playing a, a really nice brand of football and they had lovely players to watch and I'm not sure that's been consistent this season I think you know there's, there's no right way to play but they've probably been a bit more direct um, and I'm not sure that's Probably what has gone down too well with the Pats faithful. Maybe that's led to attendances dropping off and the fact that they're not competing with Shamrock Rovers and they're not competing with Dundalk. It's got, probably got that feeling of, you know, same old, same old from the last couple of seasons. And then the disappointment with the stadium, that didn't help either. So they just need something to kickstart uh, the club again. Harry Kenny is in his first season as manager. I initially asked him how the season was going in general and secondly then just in terms of what he was expecting uh, from their European opponents. First half of the season has been um, sort of up and down, if you like. Um, there's been a lot of transition at the club in the sense that um, we released sort of uh, eight to nine players and got in seven or eight players. So um, that in itself is a, a fairly big upheaval in relation to getting systems in place and getting um, a cohesive team together. So in a sense, uh, we're, we've been playing a little bit catch up on that front. Um, we're halfway into the season now. We're currently playing this three five two system, which has... Um, Done, done us okay, but uh, I'd like to be going better. Um, I would be certainly um, like to be closer to the top two at this moment in time. Um, we're doing okay without setting the world alight, and hopefully the second half of the season is going to be better. Um, a lot of people have uh, only started bedded in. If I look at the last couple of games, uh, we've started six new players in the team in the starting eleven. So that's a, a hell of a lot of uh, change in a team. Um, and uh, Pats haven't been near Europe in the last couple of seasons, so uh, I just want to try and get them back to where um, they belong, which is up in the top three of the table, and uh, chasing down a, a European spot. So um, that was our aim at the start of the season. Um, we're not quite on target there just yet, but we've been making a huge effort in the second half of the season to get there. Just got the draw there for the Europa League. Um Sort of mixed feelings about it in the sense that uh, I don't know a whole pile about North Shopping from Sweden, but uh, having looked at the table, they're seventh in their league. They've only lost two. They've drawn with Malmo, so they must be half decent. Looking at their squad there, they've a couple of interna- internationals. 
They have uh, the son of Henrik Larsson, the famous player that played with Celtic. Uh, they play in an AstroTurf pitch and uh, we certainly look forward to playing them. It's my first experience as a head coach going into Europe. Um, in the previous past, in 2013 in particular, I was with Liam, funny enough, with Pats um, when we went out to Lithuania and uh, enjoyed that experience and trip and European football is very exciting. Pats haven't been there in the last uh, two seasons, so it's great to get back there. And uh, we're certainly looking forward to it. So we've a couple of matches before that happens, but we'll be doing our homework on them. Our opposition and analysts will be straight on to it. We'll get loads of information on them. And uh, we'll decide whether he goes over and has a look at them or I might go myself. But um, there's loads of videos and sort of information to be had on the internet so um, we'll decide on that in the, in the not too distant future but certainly looking forward to the game um, it's exciting times and let's hope we have a sec- better second half of the season Dan I have to admit I wouldn't know a lot about these lads um, but their table for their form this season wouldn't suggest they're by any means unbeatable well yeah it's, it's tough to know I mean like as I said like this, these rounds of the competition could be funny because generally like you're playing teams that have qualified for Europe, even the Europa League side, they're generally, they're decent enough teams to a degree, so if you're well organised and you have a bit of a plan, you've got a chance, and like actually, Irish teams against Swedish teams in recent years, done well. Well, have done well, even though they shouldn't, you know, like by, by rights of budgets and stuff like that, they should be way stronger, and of course, like last year, I mean, Shamrock Rovers against IAK, like who were table toppers at the time, went to extra time, and probably should have gone through. Aaron really. Green hitting the post. You know, like they, they, and, and and that was so like the, you can draw some encouragement from that and like it's funny Paul spoke about the the way the Pats have played at times this year maybe hasn't been that uh, easy on the eye but funnily enough you look at some of the players that they have but Forrester who apparently might have shown some form in the early stages of the Finn Harps game last week um, Reese McCabe who you obviously know well Paul you were at Sheffield Wednesday together um, Clifford uh, Darren Markey even like they've actually got good ball players like they've they've good midfield players that maybe the tempo and the style of a European game it possibly shouldn't phase them like we're, we're waiting for we're, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon so we're waiting for full clarity on the dates and stuff but they were drawn out away first and if that's how it if that's how it turns out to, to pan out I mean I, I wouldn't be hugely optimistic about, about Pats I have to say but they do have players Paul Jamie Lennon of course who's, who's been away in Toulon who's actually possibly the most important one of them all in terms of their midfield like they do have players who could adapt to European football. Yeah, they do, and it's it's just a question of are they going to change it up, um, in regards to how they approach the game and how they play, and maybe the pattern of the game leads that St. Pat's actually have quite a bit of the ball. You just look um at the goals that have been scored, and like Cork have scored eighteen goals in twenty one games, and Pat's have also only scored eighteen goals in twenty two games. So there's no. Mikey Dren has scored a in goal drought. Yeah, he's scored maybe in the last nine or ten games. He hasn't scored. Yeah, and just from a player's perspective, um. You know, irrespective of who you're playing, that's not going to really um, affect your confidence. You know, if your if your confidence isn't there, it's very difficult to just switch that on for one European game and start getting on the ball and start expressing yourself and maybe start taking a few more risks. So I wouldn't be overly hopeful for either St. Pat's or Cork um, in Europe. You know, I I just feel as if there is such a gulf between Dundalk, Shamrock Rovers, and you can just about include Bows in that pack. And the rest, yeah. I, I really do. Like I, I've seen quite a few games this season, and I'm looking at opposition, and I think, oh my god, they're only getting 
thirty percent of the of, of the ball against Shamrock Rovers. And don't get me wrong, Shamrock Rovers are good, Dundalk are good, but they're not unbelievable. Um, you know, we've had good teams and seasons gone by and yes, they might be able to match that sort of quality, but I just feel as if the others are just straying straying away and it just seems that the the best pool of players are at Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers now. How many other players from other clubs will get into those two teams? I'm not really too well, sure. I suppose to extrapolate a bit on this, you look at, we'll say, um, St. Pat's, who shouldn't be in Europe this season. Uh, Bowes are not in Europe and Watford are not in Europe. So these are sides who are trying to build something with no prize money and no TV money, basically. So it's very, very hard. Like the money, what are Dundalk getting, Dan? Like 800, well, 800 grand, straight grand up, guaranteed. And, and then 1.1 or something uh, if they get through? Guaranteed 1.2 if they get through. I mean, and the thing is, they've also, they've got that now for what, five, six years in a row. I mean, like, Cork, Cork had that run. Cork had that run. It might stop now and yet it still hasn't even prevented Cork from, uh, from maybe having some issues some financial and Galway United have played three away games in a row and now have no game so there's no money coming in whatsoever and you're looking at the draw today and you're like the discrepancy How did United end up in that discussion but the discrepancy <laughs> in clubs basically the clubs are getting European money and the oh, clubs no, it's, it's crazy it's crazy and, and it brings us back to that debate I don't know what was the country where they're distributing well, Ajax, Ajax are going. I mean in Holland they're doing a bit of it but Ajax mm. are making like Ajax got the Champions League final so I mean the telephone numbers the amount of money they're making like and Vinnie Parrott I think made the point in the dog programme notes recently that it's a good idea they welcome it but their argument would be while some clubs have cancelled funded grounds and some don't why should they distribute some of their European money and I, I, I can see that point um, but at the same time and I think it's a, va- it's a valid point but, but part of me still thinks that we have to look at it look at it here and address it in some shape or form that it is such like it is a bit mad now that we are and it's something that I would have supported the calling off of fixtures to allow our clubs to prepare but the fact that now the clubs with the financial advantage from qualifying for Europe every year I mean Ajax had a game called off so they could prepare so I mean it happens at higher level leagues too that have issues of equality um, that the, that the, the clubs that aren't in Europe are really st- potentially struggling in the months of like late June, July now um, so that the clubs in Europe who are richer than them and probably will take their best players off them are given the best opportunity to prepare for European games where they can make more money that allows them to take more of their players like it, it is a bit weird when you put it like that um, I've always advocated a small amount of European money being put aside um, from the clubs and putting that into some centralised thing that works on pitches or something or something that benefits the whole league benefits the product I'd like to see that in reality though that money should probably be coming from sponsors and investment anyway it shouldn't have to be coming from UEFA money but this is where we're at now um, UEFA are our lord and masters <laughs> so um, I for one welcome our new <laughs> yeah. overlords so like, we can have hypothetical debates about what should be done um, but I think in years to come uh you know this 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 idea. I, I think we should mix it up a bit and have a Europa League playoff and give more teams the chance to qualify. However, that may will more than likely will still end up in the better teams. There's a hint of excitement that someone could get in, but mm. actually, you can have that this year. And Bo was it really deserve it? You know, lose a Europa League playoff to Cork or something, you know, like it would yeah. be sort of a it'd be obscene. I still know? think that the, the best players within our league will always find themselves at Shamrock Rovers or Dundalk, irrespective yeah. of mm. you know the finances that might come into a St. Pat's or a Cork. I, I just still think, like, if you think about the players and the main players within those Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers teams, they're all, they're all Irish. Yeah. You know, so we haven't exactly recruited unbelievably well from abroad in years gone by. Or it hasn't exactly been a success story. So if Pats were to get a bit of money, who would they bring in? 
you know, who, who would you be looking at mm. to take from, say, a Waterford or a Cork or, you know, there's not that many players floating around or even within the first division. Well, yeah, well, in, really well, in recent years, the gap. yeah, I think yeah. in recent years there were times when Pats were able to best Rovers when it came to like competing for players but obviously look at the environment look at the stadium there. look at the training ground you can't even compare the two you know Shamrock yeah, Rovers I think Cork City should be entitled to kind of like for example if you could imagine a scenario where if Roy Keane took over Cork City or something as daft as that might sound you could imagine Cork would usually become a very attractive place and they have a great stadium down there and all that but and Cork always will be in Cork you yeah. know great Cork, fans look, the best players coming home from Cork will want you know from yeah. the, mm. will want to go to Cork you know I mean that's, um, that's, that's natural you mentioned Shamrock Rovers let's hear from Stephen Bradley now uh, Shamrock Rovers got quite an interesting draw um, against Bran Rovers have had their share of experience against Scandinavian teams um, but this would look like it'll be a bit of a tricky tie but here is what Stephen Bradley had to say in reaction to that draw yeah the draw is a good draw it's um, it's going to be a tough game um, we know uh, we know quite a bit about Bran we, we've uh, played them not so long ago um, they're doing okay in the league this year um, we'll definitely get eyes on them before we play them. They play this weekend and they play next weekend. So we'll definitely uh, be at both games uh, to get a good feel for them. But uh, like I said, it's a tough draw, but one we're really looking forward to. I wasn't actually aware. They played in a friendly in 2015, which Rovers won 3-2. I don't know where that game was, Dan. Yeah, I think it, I think it might have been in Tala. 13th uh, of the 2nd, 2015. Could have, it could have been wrong. Uh, Stephen yeah. Bradley quite positive there, um, in fairness, and... Rovers have uh, Rovers have been very very comfortable at, at times in these European games, as as um, Paul alluded to. Technically, they're they're kind of they're up they're up for this level. Yeah, I think last like last year that game in Sweden probably it highlighted that they were improved. You know that they like it was, la- it was the first half of last season was the real disaster for them. And of course, it was around the European games last year where Gavin Bazuno came in and actually met his him his big impact and, and got his move. So. Um, Again, we're we're sort of repeating our points from what we're saying. Like, you know, you'd be disappointed if Rovers. I mean, Brana, yeah, I think they're mid-table in Norway. Their season is mid-season now as well. So, like, any fitness advantage that doesn't exist. Um, but like, you know, they're they're not unbeatable. They've lost a couple of games this year. Again, we've played Norwegian teams in recent years. The Norwegian teams have been stronger. Um, but they're, they're they're fourth at the moment. But, but there have been like off. you know, Sligo Rovers won a first leg away to Rosenberg when Rosenberg were going through a mid-table year, and actually they they sort of you know they messed it up a small bit at home. But like it, it is possible that a, a Rovers team performing at their best can do well in a tie of this nature, and you would hope that they do. Like you, you know, Jack Byrne, Dylan Watts, you know, Armaganif. You know, take your pick, Greg Bulger. You know they've got they've got good possibly midfield would have signed players. players as well, by and then. they possibly would have signed players then too. And you know, there's in fact they almost definitely would have signed yeah, players. Yeah, so in so by so then. so like there's there's a transfer pitcher, and we'll talk about their striker situation. Who knows? Maybe they'll have one then. I mean, these games are what the 11th of July and the 18th of July. So uh, there'll obviously be registration cut off points for registering someone for a particular round. But there could be a different squad. But I yeah, I don't know, Paul. Like, we're sort of repeating ourselves a bit here, but like. I actually do wonder though. Um, last year, you mentioned Dundalk and Larnaca last year, and to me, uh, it was very disappointing. Very disappointing, and they were definitely wanted to go through. But I think their focus was claiming the league. I think Cork, the year before, um, the Europa League really wasn't the be all and end all because they had a chance of winning the league. I wonder for Rovers this year, like how would they look at how would they would view the Europa League because. Uh, really winning the league probably has to be their priority this year 
do you want this distraction as much as you want the money or as players put yourself in the players mindset are you just thinking no I want more of these European games I want more of these dates yeah listen I, I think the players will most certainly want the European dates and Tala they've got you know the extra stand behind the goal I'd say that'll be electric on a European night now mm. I'd say they're in a better position now this season than they were last season you even look at like some Manus and Aaron McInef and people with good energy and good legs in that midfield Greg Bulger is most certainly playing better this season than he was last year I think they'll be in a better position I have absolutely no doubt that they will strengthen in July um, and I'd say the main reason behind strengthening in July is yes to push Dundalk but is also to have bodies that can manage when that European fixture comes around because if they bring in three bodies getting through an extra round of Europe we could potentially pay for them and you know mm. maybe they might look at, at, at shifting maybe somebody to the UK whether that's now or at the end of the season and they'll be looking at, at, at bringing money in uh, as well as players so I think personally they're in a better position I think defensively they're much much better I think Roberto Lopez has improved massively I think Manus brings a composure that they would be missing for two seasons and i probably say that there's a um, a more solid foundation there that there was in years gone by that missing piece at the moment seems to be up front uh, and there's been an absence of, of somebody consistently scoring yes Aaron Green is getting himself into great positions but they just don't seem to have that Pat Huben figure within the team yeah. and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they try acquire somebody before those European games and if they can I would fully expect them to be in that tie I don't think Brand will get away from them I think going into say the last 15-20 minutes of, of that second leg if they're not ahead they'll be within touching distance yeah. of Brand. Yeah well as we're talking down Tuesday afternoon there's just dates and times and stuff to be confirmed Rovers were drawn out away first it does have them playing at home in Dublin the same night as Pat's so there's there's, there's always complications with this that need to be trashed out obviously you know we, we, we'll be able to speak about a couple of weeks before these games are played to go through them in more detail there's also tomorrow on Wednesday there's even a there's another round of draws tomorrow for who teams play if they go through to the next round and so on so before we discuss there's, there's another uh, layer of permutations but before we before we finish off on this so um, I, I do like asking this who do you expect to get through do you expect Dundalk to get through um I think I probably do, yeah. But maybe I'm thinking it's because they have to, you know. Like I, I mean, we're talking from from Wikipedia research of Riga here. Um, but like, if you're gonna make if you're gonna make the effort to get to be seated, and you if you want to believe that the Dundalk team is is at the level or close to the level of three years ago, then you have to believe that they're capable of beating, like. Riga FC, Paul. you know they've played they've played much better teams in this round of the competition, mm. much better teams. I would like to think that they would go in as favourites, um, and I would like to think that should they perform to their capability, I think they would go through. Um, I would like to see them go through. Um, like Dan said, I'm I'm not sure they're at that level that they were three years ago, but I think they probably should have enough. Like, listen, I don't know anything about that side in Riga, yeah. but if if Dundalk play to their potential, I would imagine that they'd have enough to get through. The other three, then you're thinking, hopefully one or two get through. Yeah, like you I mean, it's it's possible none could go through. Um, I think all will be competitive. I think, I, yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I don't want to because we we need. I think Rovers will definitely. We're speaking be now without necessarily being sure of the the order. If, mm. I think Rovers, you would think, should be very competitive. Cork still at home first, like they've got a chance if they get the Turner's Cross factor going, of of giving themselves something to protect. Maybe going away, um, and then Pats again. It's it's hard to be optimistic on their form where they are on the table. Only thing is if they can somehow manufacture a situation if there's a second leg in Richmond Park which can be a pretty unique venue in European nights and they have a good record there there's just something about the place you know that you think it's not out of the question but if you ask me to like 
be firm and say how many could go through, I'd I'd be very happy if one did. Really? Yeah. One out of the four. No, no. Sorry. One out of the other three. I think no, yeah, one out yeah. of the three. I think no. I yeah. think two out of the four. Um, out of the four I, I'd probably. love to be more optimistic, but I think two out of four would be an unbelievable result. I think for the league. I, yeah, really I, do. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I think. Uh, I have every expectation Rovers and Bran will be close. I think Rovers are a very, very good side in Europe. They've, they've shown that. And they've better players this season than last season. Much better players if they have a striker in there. Um, Pat's like, Cork should still be looking at that and saying we have a good chance here. I mean, Alice, I'm not saying, I'm just, and, Johnny, like, you're, yeah. like you, you, you're, you're asking us what we think. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I just can't make the argument for saying everyone's going to go through. I just can't. That's very it's very unlikely. It's, it's, it's just not plausible. We know? haven't spoken about Danny Mandrew yet. We have to speak about it. Like, this is the thing. We're looking, we're jumping ahead. We have to go back to last week which was like um, uh, what could still turn out to be a very important day in the league title race because we're talking about Shamrock Rovers in the positive context of the players they can bring in and where they're at but we're talking about the mid-season break and they're five points off the, five points off the pace um, they've lost another derby you know I, I don't know what, what were your thoughts on the game Paul? Yeah both, both just seem to be pivotal to Shamrock Rovers title chances like <sighs> It's, it's just such a funny dynamic they have between the two sides at the moment. Bows go into that fixture now with the utmost confidence. And every time Shamrock Rovers play Bows, they seem to be making mistakes, whether that's penalties or sending offs. It's very hard to put your finger on what it is, but Bows have been excellent. Um, you know, I didn't tip Bows to be in that position come the mid-season break. And I, I just think they have such a, a youthfulness and belief and energy about the side that they go into any fixture, whether it's Shamrock Rovers or it's Dundalk or it's UCD, with a with an element of belief, it was it was a funny old game. Um, Mandrew's been excellent, and I did the game on the television out in Tala, and I was the first time I'd properly properly seen him. I saw him against UCD earlier in the in the year, but just one of those players that seems to glide across the pitch and can create chances. and And that goal was was worthy of winning any game. It's top drawer, um, isn't it? Unbelievable! Yeah. And I just wrong foot as well. I was foot. I was sitting close to the injured Bowes players, and you see Derek Pender was just screaming up. Couldn't believe what he was seeing, almost you mm, know, like he. I heard Pat Fallon saying that you wouldn't see a better goal across the leagues, and he's right. You know, on your weaker side, running away from goal to send it back the other way, it almost defies and, physics. And the game in which he'd missed a penalty in a game of that magnitude, it wasn't like he was in training here. And then Buckley, or sorry, Keith Long said he celebrated like it was just a goal in any other game. Yeah, yeah just has that air of like kind of. But he's that type of player. He's almost like a Jack Byrne, and they've such an air of confidence, particularly when when they're playing within a league where they feel comfortable and that they're. Um, you know, able to express themselves, and they they feel as if they've got enough in their potential. I think those type of players they don't get worried about mistakes that they make. They they just get on the ball and they'll try and make things happen. Yeah, but I mean, it is striking. I mean, it was a very weakened bow side. I mean, they're missing. They're pretty much their first choice back four. And uh, did he? You know, I was I was in I mean in Dalyman Park afterwards. There was a, a lot of people chanting, "It's happening again! It's happening again!" And they're actually chanting it in the direction of Johnny Ward as opposed to uh, Shamrock mm. Rovers. You actually. You don't like being slagged over this now. Are we going to draw a line on this at the mid-season point? <laughs> I'm, you're asking me. Yeah, like, uh, like the first person I met walking into the ground last week was tell Johnny Ward something about your Shamrock Rovers loyalties. Like. I tipped Rovers to beat Bowes the other night because of the probable teams and there were odds against. They did go off odds on. They were backed. But again, mentally, I don't know, is it the way Bowes pressed them? To give away two penalties? You think it's I mean, a mental thing? Ah, uh, partly mental. It has to be like, how can you give away two penalties like that? They pressed high, and Ethan Boyle played a ball across to Bulger for the second. Like, wh- why do you play that pass? Rovers, granted, but, but do you not? But like, it is a mental thing, I think. Partly, yeah. Yeah. Bows should not be. They've beaten them seven out of eight. 
It has yeah. to be like in Tal- the the Bows. Talbot alluded to the hunger that they have and this kind of fighting spirit that they don't have afterwards. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think it's partly mental. Seven games out of eight, where you should be like the superior team in the vast majority of them games. That team they had out the other night. I'm sorry, but Rovers should not be losing that game. Mm. Yeah, I I don't know. Give like, away two penalties. I don't know. It just seems that the, that the Bows staff can always concoct a plan to deal mm. with that game as well. Like mm. they force mistakes as well too. You know, it's. Like we've we've spoken about Rovers and our teams that like press them high enough, and Rovers players spoken about well they have to be good enough to play through the press and pick the passes. You you say you say Boyle shouldn't play that pass to Bulger, and like maybe he shouldn't, but like that's the way they're trying they're trying to play the ball out from the back. You I know, like, agree with like you, you know, so either you do it or you don't. You mm. know what I mean? And it it, it had that feel in Tala early on in the seasons that Bowes had such a way of setting up and setting traps that they just seemed to have the 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 beating of Shamrock Rovers that they yeah. were nearly attracting the ball into positions whereby they wanted Shamrock Rovers to get on it. And then when they did, as a unit, they went together. And mm. they, they won the ball. They forced mistakes out in talent. They did it again last week. And I have a feeling that it's almost as if Trevor, Crawley and Keith Long have nearly like a, a plan or a master plan or a game plan that they see working against Rovers. And that has done on numerous yeah. occasions. Like well, It's one thing yeah. to say that you know Rovers are losing the ball in... in in naive positions, but that's sometimes to do with how well bows are pressing collectively and oh, actually yeah. attracting. Yeah, I think it, like if you, if you if you just say oh it's a mental thing or they want it more, and I'm just not. So, I just think like I just think they've been really well prepared for the match. Yeah, I think they've been coached really brilliantly. Well but you look at it as well, Dan, which which I find really strange. Bows lost their two centre backs and their goalkeeper this season, right? So they've three of their back four missing the other night, right? And I'm looking at them and like, well. If Kirk and Lines as their fullbacks, no problem there. Um, Barker playing was probably a bit of a worry. He hasn't played much this season. But you look at you look at Rovers. Like Rovers, Ethan Boyle was right back. He hasn't played much this season. Both seem to have better cover than Rovers in many areas, which it seems utterly bizarre given the purported resources. Well, look, I, I'm just going back to the broad. We're talking about Europe and stuff, but like we're just gonna we're gonna find out how strong the league is at the top end. I think in the coming weeks, I just have my slight fears. You know, mm-hmm. like you, like you have Derry here going very well, right? I think very well. Like they're fourth with a, with a game in hand. It's a, almost a brand new team. It's like a brand new team that's been thrown together is is able to be that competitive. Um, we're looking. We're talking a bit off air. I mean, UCD and Finn Harps, the two teams at the bottom, have both lost their last five games. Um, so naturally, like the teams up the top end, they're, they're accruing wins by playing some teams that are in that cycle. I just wonder, is it a bit deceptive? You know, is it, is it going to be deceptive? I think they're going to need to find levels that they're not being asked of enough. And I think, like, you know, the, the concern you would have if you're someone that, if we have a lot of Rovers fans listen to us and talk to us, and they want to talk about how they win the league, right? I mean, you look at the big, the really big games that they've played this year. Like, they've played Dundalk, they've got, what, one, one point. point. They've lost the games to Bowes. Like when you're facing that test, that stepping up, and like you're in danger of getting this sort of a flat track body label, you know, that you're very good against teams that you're weaker than and look really dominant. But if you can't perform in those high end matches and deliver points and results in those matches, then like how good are they? I think that's what we want to find out. Rovers have looked so good at times, and I think you know, away in Cork, away in Derry, you're thinking, yeah, this is definitely a team that's progressing and it's going in the right direction. But you just have this niggling question mark here. That actually, the Dundalk just drop a lot of points because they were slow, slow to come to life. And actually, now they're not won eleven out of twelve, and they're sort of winning games comfortably. You know, like, it's just, it's just this, like, is with like, I think that it's going to be such an interesting game in the twenty eighth. I know it's an air sport game, uh, Rovers Dundalk. That just you have to see something from Rovers. You have to win the game. Like, you have, have to see to. something from them that actually shows that yeah, you know, they are 
they are the real deal. They are title You're talking about Europe. A question mark there. They lose that game, right? Rovers' heads are going to drop in terms of win the league. Inevitably. They lose that game, they're going to be thinking, Europe's our priority here because if they go, what, eight points behind... No, I don't drop, think they'd be thinking that way at all, John. They are absolutely sorry. No. Behind, behind, they Europe will, won't be their priority. Their priority is winning the, the league. The, the, the Rovers' players, will, if they go eight points behind Dundalk, they're, go, they're going to believe, whether you like it or not, a lot of them are going to believe this is done. And they're going to think Europe is where we, we can do something this Well, season. if they do that, then they are mentally. They've got mental problems. I, 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 I know what you're saying. It's, it's I know what you're saying. The only sympathy they have for them is they got a great goal to make it one all. And I'm not sure they could do an awful lot of Mandel shots. No, but I'm just saying. Do you know saying, what I mean? No, but I have to disagree with you on that. Like, the Dundalk have a chance of going through. The Dundalk are guaranteed four European games because they have mm. the parachute. If Rovers were to get knocked out, they actually have to view it as a positive to make Turns up some points because the Dundalk have a record of, of actually coming badly out of Europe. So, no, I, even if they lost that game, I think, yeah, pundits, everyone's like, it's over. But actually, Rovers, if they t- start thinking that way, thinking Europe's their priority, they're, they've lost their minds. Because they, they, have, they have three games in a week and they still have to go to Oriel and play them dogs. So, yeah. no, they can't. But, but you're can't talking about how, done, how Rovers approach Europe. I think with the players they have, they're so technically good. I think there'll be a massive European focus for Rovers this season. And I think Bradley will share that because they're more than capable of doing well, I think, in Europe. Also. Winning the league is worth 800 grand as a mm. net point. League is the focus for Rovers this year. It has to be. Getting through 200 grand in the Europa League run, whatever. It's league, it's, it's that Champions League money is where it's at. So that has to be their priority. If it's not the priority... Have you been surprised at how quickly, I don't know if you want to say it's unravelled, but um, they, they, they were in such a commanding position, Rovers, and now they're very much playing catch-up, Paul. Yeah, they, they seem to suffer a bit of a rut there. Um in and around when they played Dundalk and they played Bowes and losing Lee Grace and losing Trevor Clark and then Sean Cavanagh got injured shortly after that. They probably just lost key personnel at the wrong time. Um, and the nature of any league, if, if you don't put results together or you, you suffer three or four bad results, when you got somebody like Dundalk hunting you down and when they picked up form, it was it was natural that Dundalk would overtake. I would just like to see Shamrock Rovers after the break come back with a bit of spring in their step, a bit of intensity, a bit of tempo and a bit of ruthlessness back in their play. Uh, the other games as well, it was obviously another abridged week with uh, Pats playing at home to Finn Harps, nicking a late winner that probably went a little bit unnoticed. <sighs> Let's not dwell on that match too much. And then, yeah. Certainly an important win for them Sligo all. Sligo the 1, Cork 1. Sligo 1, Cork 1. Then in the first division, big wins for Bray, 3, Longford 2. Yeah. Um, uh, Shells beat Drada. Republic. Shells Drada. Cove Rambler, Steve Henderson, of course, has moved on from Cove Rambler. surprised by that, Dad. Um, Galway United, 2 1 win. Athlone 2, Cabo 2, Wexford 0, Limerick 0. Yeah, a surprise, although. I mean, it's a labour of love that job and working, you know, working at that level for that length of time. And I suppose there had been various murmurs at various stages about the situation there, and there had been talk about him leaving before. So, um, look, he's someone who's still got an awful lot to offer the league. So you would imagine, you would hope that he'll come back somewhere in in some capacity. Um, we did invite him on the show actually this week, but yeah, um, he's well, getting uh, he's getting a suntan like so many players across the league at the moment, and so yeah, many managers. So. Harry Kenny is in Marbella, I think. So fair play to him for sending in the yeah the audio all, as well. Are you saying I was in reserve, Johnny? Um, no, we're going to get two in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody you're else. always you're always top of the list, Paul. Always um, top of the list. But, but thanks uh, for coming in, Paul. Thank you. That's good to catch up. And um, yeah, Dan, I guess uh, what are you going to do on the weekend with no football? Uh, well, there's an FBI governance review group stuff coming out the weekend, so... Thank God for that. That just screams sexy, doesn't it? Thanks for listening, man. But there are limits to your life.